0: Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Straffer, Mike Palmer along with you. And on today's episode, we wanted to take a step back and look at all of the craziness going on in the world right now. And by that, I mean, how do we find proper places to learn when there's so much noise out there? How do we weed through all of the different sources we can get and find the actual facts of a matter? And how do we educate ourselves on the things going on in the world each and every day, politically, scientifically, and so on? Mike. How are you doing? Right. Uh,
1: so considering the noise, you know, uh, Nate Silver wrote a wonderful book a couple of years ago called The uh, Signal and the Noise. Uh, I understand half of that these days, which is the noise. Uh, I'm trying to discern where the signals are. Uh, and then I'm also trying to find quiet in the noise to allow me to reflect and try to assimilate and understand what's going on. Uh, And that can be really hard when you're also trying to stay connected to the spirit of the times uh, and consume a lot of uh, the media that's coming out nowadays. Um, So I think it's complicated, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, I think we as, a podcast try to stay in safe safe places uh and uh i think try to steer clear of being political try to steer clear of triggering ourselves or others by anything that we talk about and i think that's very much the mindset that uh i think we're adopting as we try to like wade into some of this but uh, but in light of the um the political context in the U.S. these days um, as a trend spotting show, uh, you know, we can't keep our head in the ground around the fact that we're, we're heading into an impeachment inquiry and we may actually head into an impeachment in the U.S. Right. And that's at a time that similar stuff is happening in the U.K. around Brexit. Um, the, the whole like geopolitical universe that we're living in is very topsy-turvy nowadays and um i think there's a few natural reactions that may be uh that may come out of that one is to um focus on other stuff so the avoidant angle yep uh which i certainly have fallen prey to, although sadly the New York Mets are now uh, eliminated from, uh, from the postseason. So that's no longer a diversion for me. But finding those safe diversions, uh, you know, golden age of media is wonderful. Something you could certainly spend uh, really the entirety of your time on. Um, just saw the Dark Crystal, watched that, uh, which I loved. I'm a big fan of Jim Henson, everything he did back in the day. That's on Netflix you want some escapism, I'd recommend The Dark Crystal uh, for those who like puppets and uh, dystopic alternative universes. That was entertaining. Uh, Also got out for uh, my wife's first birthday since we had our son, Matthew. And we were able to see a movie for the first time in the last two years. And we saw Hustlers uh, with Jennifer Lopez also, Zeitgeisty in its own way, uh, and uh, I was choice between uh, Hustlers and Downton Abbey, uh, oh, sure. and uh, I think I married well in that. Uh, Robin, my better half, was happy to uh, to explore. Uh, well, it was pretty entertaining a uh, couple hours around Hustlers, um, but um, but when not avoiding what's going on, when you want to understand, how do I make sense of what's happening? Um, I thought that was a really relevant conversation for a learning and education podcast. Yep. Um we might not have all the answers, but we could at least begin to explore the the questions and just recognize that the world is gonna be different as we head into this next phase in the US and uh try to begin to forecast that and maybe curate for folks where you might find relevant information is something uh, we could at least begin to talk about and then figure out how often we wanna come back to these topics. But it was, it was too big a thing to happen to not cover. Right. So we thought we'd, uh, we'd at least kick it a little here, Dan. So we're
0: kicking it, right? Well- I think uh, multiple things you said were uh, equally intriguing. One, we can take this from a historical perspective. We can take it from a civics. We talked before we started recording about civics and civics education, civic engagement. We have talked to uh, a good friend of the show, Mark Sanders, in the past about civics and civics on the college campus. Dr. Mark Sanders. That's exactly right. Um, and then we can just deal with the, the idea of, and I don't know if this plays really as, as an analogy, but we talk all the time about space repetition and understanding learning as, as space repetition, learning something, moving on to something else, coming back to it again. The 24-hour news cycle in Twitter and Facebook sort of throws impeachment in our face if you're engaged with those platforms all the time. Mm-hmm. There is no break. There is no time to step away and process what you heard or process what you read or what you saw. And so I don't know that as a way to get information, the constant digest of social media, coupled with this topic, is going to engage and educate people in any way. And so Mm -hmm. how do we find that time to take the sources we trust, read them, and then step away? Mm -hmm. To your point, find those safe, safe things, the things that you want to get away with, sports, books, movies, whatever it might be, family, whatever it might be that you want to go to. And is that the best way to approach it now? Sort of Mm -hmm. engage when you feel up to it and then step back and and find solace in other things, I Mm -hmm. I think is a really interesting topic too. Yeah, I
1: agree. I mean, it reminds me of the show we did on, uh, you know, is Twitter making us dumber? (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, And I think the answer was probably. (laughs) Uh, And uh, like the number of tweets generated by the... uh, the impending political crisis in the U S um, is off the charts. It's blowing up my feed. And to the point where I'm starting, you know, I I, th- I think I mentioned on the show how I've deleted my Facebook account. I'm questioning the value of engaging through Twitter right now. I, I think I might just want to put it on, put it on timeout uh, for a little and, and get a little more intentional about, I'm going to spend a half hour on Twitter each day or each week, or get some sort of uh, structure to that engagement. Um, reminds me also of the, the problem of notifications, right. where like if you're constantly interrupted by things that are new, news-like or this just in, you know, it's like the whole trope of like CNN always has the red like-
0: Breaking news. Breaking yep. news.
1: Yep. And if there's always breaking news, you never have time to reflect uh, as long as you have the news on. So I think that would argue for, you know, turning the news off. Yep. And then also um, arguably more of a journalistic sensibility around what is actually news and what is actually an emergency. Cause like, it reminds me of the, you know, fight or flight is only supposed to be activated in crisis situations and we've evolved for those crises to hit and then go away. Yep. And if you're constantly in a crisis mode, you will never have time to reflect. You'll uh, never have time to kind of think long-term about your uh, perspectives. And um, I, I am honestly struggling with this. And uh, And at the same time, to your point about family, like, you know, as a as a new dad, like, one of my outlets is I can spend time with my, now he's nine months old, I can spend time with my son. And like, if I didn't have my son, I'd probably be traveling more, but I, I would be doing things that were specifically not plugged in. Yep. Because I don't know how much benefit you have in understanding in real time, what's developing. Like I actually think a little bit of like, you know, when newspapers were printed every day, mm-hmm. you would have a day to process what had just come in. Absolutely. And then you would have a, the next day you could go through that same cycle again. And then the news agencies, the newspapers and other journalistic endeavors would have a a day to synthesize and then say we can only fit so much stuff into what we wanna share with you, here's Absolutely. what it is. That's all kind of upside down nowadays where like you don't only, in addition to the news being so 24 seven, there's also the takes on the news right. that are also 24 seven in multiple channels. So like um, I'll dial it back i'm a little wound up right now i need
0: to just find my my safe place i I think but i think you're hitting on i was gonna go a different angle where we're talking about 24-hour news cycles and i I do genuinely believe they are not good as a regular watch Mm -hmm. if there's a specific program that you tune into or something but keeping that on all day to your point is always ramping up that that something's happening yeah something in the world is breaking news something is happening and
1: you run, you run out of cortisol, like your, your, <laughs> your, your glands start saying, there's only so much adrenaline I can feed you. I
0: got nothing for you. So then yeah. you either get doled to it, right? And yep. so the, it never doesn't matter anymore, or you're constantly anxious and, and, and up. But what I was going to link into you said the newspapers was the old school news broadcasts at yep. 11 o'clock at night where mm-hmm. again, and take this from me as a, as a personal opinion, about the news. I worked in, in news. I was a reporter for a little while. You either are someone who right now trusts the media or doesn't. And I will say this from an education standpoint, that as you watch the news, you believed they were there to provide information to you. And they were doing their best to provide content to you that was, was good. Now it's entertainment. The 24-hour news cycle is an entertainment factor. And so you, they want you to stay watching. And so if I could break away and not watch a CNN and MSNBC or Fox News and focus again on a really good hourly news show every night, to your point about the uh, newspapers, I feel the same, that I'd be able to, to get my information, step away, digest it, learn from it, and then move forward. And I think the interesting thing, again, to go back to social media, and I have m- admitted on this show before that I am on Twitter too much. Like I, I've, I'm trying to dial back on, especially with my kids, shutting off notifications, staying away from the phone, staying away from the computer. But what's interesting there is one, obviously, there is real fake news on there. There are people who are spreading misinformation all the time. Mm-hmm. But the, the timeline aspect of it all, right? The idea that I may have posted something four hours ago that was breaking news at the time. But if you then logged on right now and you retweeted that or reshared it into someone's timeline, now they're getting information that is old for the breaking news aspect of it that they already might have new information on, but they're trying to process both. Mm-hmm. And trying to process the timeline of everything while doing it live, to your point, staying mm-hmm. constantly on top of it. I just don't know that our brains are, are coded that way Yeah, able to process all of those things all at the same time and come away having learned something. We may right. process it. We may be able to uh, have emotions about it and, and you know, uh, have a surface reaction, but I don't know that we're learning and, and, right. and absorbing and then being able to apply that to a later task or right. a news bite that comes through.
1: Yeah, I know, I agree. I mean, like, I I think the um, finding a safe place to learn is something that's been uh, resonating with me lately. So like, I I may have mentioned, like my first job out of college was working in child child and adolescent psych, so crisis stabilization unit. And our job was to provide a safe place for, uh, provide a safe environment to kids who are in crisis. And I think increasingly, when you think about learning uh, getting back to the whole fight-or-flight or, fight or idea when you're in a fight-or-flight mode, you're not really learning, you're executing. So like you're, you're probably operating at more of like a, a reptile brain level, not the level of the brain that typically learns, and like a lot of those reactions are either uh, instinctive or they're burned in based on uh, prior knowledge, prior experience uh, and they're more emotional. So like uh, it's more of a react, it's a reactive mode. And I think learning typically is when you are able to shift your mindset to actually develop new subroutines. Right. You know, it's sort of, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Kahneman wrote the famous book, Thinking Fast and Slow. So like, when you're thinking fast, it's more emotional, it's more in the moment, it's more reactive. And when you're more deliberative about your thought is when you're actually developing new ideas and sort of evolving and getting better, hopefully. Um, and I think when there's so much news, there's so much noise, it's more likely to be in that fast twitch. Yep did I respond fast enough? Did I retweet this? Did I like this tweet? Did I, um, you know, share something that is relevant and new in a way that maybe other people in my network haven't done yet. And there's some aspect of credibility you get by being on something when it's first emerging, but it's not, you're not really learning. It reminds me of even in chat, you know, like we do a lot of live online for Kaplan. So like when we do chats, like, Uh, you know, there's this desire to be the first person with the right answer in the chat. And if you're the first person to do something, you suddenly have some relevance. And then when news is breaking, who got the scoop? And who shared the article first? And, you know, if speed is the dimension that we're all chasing to be relevant, that's gonna just create a ton of noise where everybody's gonna be trying to be first, share it out first, everybody's gonna be sharing the same information multiple times, but the more reflective component, the thing that takes a little time to mature, um, even honestly formats like podcasts, conversational uh, formats, they struggle with the complexity and they allow for some time to reflect. Part of why I've been... Uh, very grateful for the opportunity to have this show is that it gives me time to collect my thoughts and actually have my own perspective on things. And maybe I would have gotten here if I didn't have something structured to force me to do this every week. But the fact that I'm forced to do this every week makes me adopt tactics that are different than if I was only on social media, only trying to be relevant. Like I, I am forced to spend time to pull back and think through, okay, what would I curate? Right. What would I organize to stay relevant? And then, particularly the trending part, um, forces you to wade into the the sort of the the eye of the hurricane to a certain extent, where like the stuff emerges, it becomes a huge deal, and if we don't engage we're speaking by our silence, you know? So like, I think the fact that we may be heading into like a constitutional crisis in the U S. So like, I'd like to spend a little more time on what impeachment is Yep. just so that folks can come away from this, this, this show with a little more knowledge. So like, this is the part of the show where like, we go to Google for you and uh, we read off of Wikipedia for you. But like, but honestly, that's a service like, Everybody's time is limited and the idea of being smart about curating content and providing relevant information, I I think is an increasingly valuable service to provide. So like to me, this speaks uh, for just like every citizen in the U.S., arguably in the world, should probably be brushing up on the Constitution, should be brushing up on U.S. history, and should be understanding what can a citizen assuming you're not in you're not a legislator right you don't have a public office what can and should you do to understand what's happening today and then to ideally um you know a protect your own sanity and then b ideally provide some clarity to others whether you have friends or family who may be struggling um how do we how do we navigate all this so uh since we have this platform i thought it was a useful time for us to you know in a ideally in a non-political way to just try to assess where are we and what might it mean yep and then where should people go if they want to learn more so so hopefully you know we're just this just in this is breaking news
0: <laughs> there it is. The, uh, uh, but
1: uh, but like we could at least begin that conversation and then probably kick you know kick it off to uh, you know i don't think this these topics are going to go away so we'll want to continue to cover them
0: yeah and we will uh, also be able to over time bring people in uh, experts in fields across uh, these different topics i think civics is one we'll probably put a pin in for now we do have uh, uh, mark who was a great guest before and there are a couple of really good articles uh, from the Brookings Institute around civics education and the, the uh, principles that should be involved in civics education that we can dive into at a different time. But the idea here, uh, one, non-politically and, and looking historically at impeachment, uh, the idea of the process of, uh, and I think this is where people are right now getting confused around what's happening right now mm-hmm. uh, in the House. Impeachment uh, has stages to it. It's not something that is just called for and done. Uh, Impeachment goes through a variety of stages. There is currently uh, the beginning of an impeachment inquiry uh, in the House of Representatives for the United States where they are starting to investigate what they think may be high crimes and misdemeanors. That's part of the the Constitution that leads to uh, impeachment proceedings uh, uh, by the President of the United States. And so that may lead to then uh, articles of impeachment that are voted on by the lower house. It needs a simple majority. That then moves to the Senate and the Senate holds the trial and the Senate would hold the trial where they basically have a open trial for the impeachment proceedings. And then they vote to convict or to not convict. Mm -hmm. And in historical sense, Mike, we've seen this with Andrew Johnson. We've seen this with Bill Clinton and we saw it with Richard Nixon. Obviously Nixon retired, resigned, retired. That was a very nice way to say how Nixon left office. Uh, Nixon retired, uh, resigned, of course, uh, before, impeachment proceedings went fully through so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're at right now and and just to
1: and to clarify too uh clinton was impeached in the house and and then was not impeached in the senate he was not
0: guilty of in of of the crimes he was charged with in the senate
1: right and then andrew johnson uh historically was like where did his impeachment was he fully because like we haven't really had a full Monty impeachment as far as I'm concerned, right? Like, so, uh, I don't know if I'm I guess I am concerned. So as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, but even Johnson wound up, he resigned as well. Right. So like, we haven't gone through the full process that's outlined in the constitution, uh, really in any of these cases. So like Andrew Johnson, uh,
0: left office right he resigned i believe so it was uh, i should have clarified it's two-thirds and this i did just look up two-thirds majority in the senate to convict right so for johnson he received um 35 votes for guilty 19 for not guilty and mm-hmm. 35 senators voting guilty and 19 not guilty every time every time the uh, vote went to pass uh and then he did a step down um i don't know specifically the timing of yep of when he did but uh, he left office and this is during reconstruction. It's during, you know, uh, obviously turbulent times. Right. Imagine know, what the podcasts were like back then. Well, but that's, we have the, we should go back to the fake news and the news cycle probably for a separate discussion, maybe bring in a, a journalist or an expert in the field because I do find it an intriguing thought process to think through, you know, breaking news in 1850 moved at a certain speed Yeah. and breaking news today moves at a certain speed. Are they, in line with the times. Right. Like, does it still move with the information or are we moving at a much more rapid pace Right. Did, did Moore's law contemplate the, the the rate
1: at which a pony
0: exactly right on the
1: express can get the information out there right. versus now it's, it's instant?
0: Yeah. So that is the sort of general sense of impeachment. Now, this can happen uh, to pretty much any uh, uh, civil ser- servant or, or elected official. It doesn't have yep. to be president uh it can be an attorney general it can be a governor it can be a state senator all of them can go through this impeachment process yeah. uh, to try to remove them from office
1: right and uh it's also a nice vocabulary word uh to impeach is to like besmirch nice. or to sully uh all uh, all lovely words we love our vocabulary uh on the show but uh but so Thus far, no one has actually gone through the entirety of the process as outlined in the Constitution. Correct. Which also, arguably, this is where I'd love to get more uh, folks with legal experience and uh, legal chops uh, in as experts, but um, arguably the, th- what's outlined in the Constitution may be too high a bar if in the you know approaching 300 years say 250 years in which our republic's been around this is the fourth time we're going through this exercise twice this has resulted in a resignation once it was in a not guilty and uh clinton served the entirety of his term and and now this is the fourth time um at what point can we go back to the drawing board and begin to understand whether the constitution fully accounted for the complexity that we're facing. I think that's an interesting question on the legal side. It's an interesting question on the political side. Um, And um, I'm not sure we really know um, how this is going to play out, but I would say like uh, if you're interested in a career in the legal profession, if you're interested in uh, a political science career, um, yeah, honestly, if you just want to uh, stay informed, vote effectively, and raise a family who can do similarly, uh, there is a level of passing awareness. It reminds me when we were talking about the the Gardner Hype Cycle. Like, there's a level of awareness of the Constitution that every every citizen in the US should have, much like anyone who wants to stay employed in the next 10 to 15 years should understand why the blockchain is interesting or why AI and automation may be disrupting work. So like um, learning is, uh, is a hugely relevant activity and I think applying that learning to help provide clarity in a time of noise and confusion um i think is something folks will be seeking and then i think if we could help curate a little bit of this uh without becoming uh a politics show um like just you know rohit who we refer to frequently talks about one of the trends he uh, identified a, a couple years ago is the one of manipulated outrage so yep. like there is a level you know, uh, of performative outrage. Let me signal to everyone I know through my social networks and elsewhere that I'm upset and that I'm outraged and reinforce this through social channels when I share it is a very natural instinct. I just think that instinct may be damaging. So how do we how do we tap into a higher level of um, professional and personal development in a time when the world is, uh, is increasingly chaotic? Um, I, and I it's, think, yeah, go ahead.
0: I, I just think that as you were talking, uh, talking through the idea of us curating, right? <laughs> and, and you were talking about your own approach to trying to stay off social, that sort of thing talking through it here on the podcast. Do you have sources for news or for education right now that you go to? And this isn't necessarily saying that this is where other people should go, but do you have a sense of where you feel most comfortable getting? You don't have to name the the sources, but do you have this sort of list that you're getting together to feel like you're comfortable with what you're learning and where you're getting it from? Uh,
1: I think it's hard to get personal about it because the sources feel polarized nowadays. So like without sharing too much of my own personal preferences, where I go to find the truth is likely going to be questioned by people who might have a different political background than I do. And like, I think that is the thing to explore. Like where are there safe places to learn and safe places to disagree? And um, One thing we, we maybe haven't done a good enough job on, although I think we're starting to, you know, get our feet wet a little bit, is exploring more complicated topics where our guests' perspective may be different than our own and doing that in a way that is still uh, ultimately a bettering uh, conversation Um, and then also, like, demonstrating that People who may not have the same perspective are able to talk to each other and listen to each other, um, is I think increasingly uh relevant as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the constitution's a good place to go. That's a very um,
0: good point. Yeah. Like
1: a no- like just go to the primary sources. Like, I'll full disclose. Uh, I did not read the Mueller report. I did read the entirety of this memo. Um what I haven't done yet, but it's on my list. And we talked about it as well. You know, you were talking earlier, Dan, about whistleblower is now trending. So like there are laws around protecting whistleblowers that are, are, are increasingly relevant. So if we were to search for that, um, what, are some, what are some relevant ways to understand that? I still think actually reading the law itself, um, And hopefully we can find enough of that that is digestible so that you don't have to get a TLDR version of the Constitution or a too-long-didn't-read version of the whistleblower uh, uh, laws. But, um, But the idea that those laws are in place, and they're in place specifically for some of the things that we're encountering today, although the reality is we're we're kind of off script as well. So like we're now in places where, you know, the law is anticipatory and reactive. So at best it's anticipatory, most likely it's reacting. So like what just happened? How do we settle it so that if something like this happens again, we have some precedent to refer back to. Yep. Best case, our legislators anticipate where the problems are going to emerge, so they put something out there. That's really what the Constitution was trying to do. And then frequently what happens is, like, what you anticipated, you maybe get 60% right, and then the other 40% is where the law is evolving and is a living experience that needs to be uh, rewritten, um, I think that's really where we are now and that's why um, hopefully folks don't get too frustrated with this show as a bit of a tease, but like it does seem enormously relevant to the collective mindset, at least in the US and probably globally, that this stuff is going to inform people's career choices. Right. It's gonna inform the job market, the economy, the um, certainly 2020, which is on the horizon. Um, so uh, had we not decided to cover it, I think that would would have been more problematic than waiting in with maybe not fully formed understandings of uh, of, the, of what's the right perspective. But like, if you think about it, maybe last point, if you think about it from the perspective of learning and education, mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, as much as it might seem a little too pat on the nose and simple, all these things argue for increased focus on education, like learn more. Like if you don't learn more, you will be, you will be ceding your autonomy and your power to others who probably don't know more than you. So like if anything, all of this chaos argues for finding that quiet place where you can learn new things. And then ideally having opportunities to engage in the conversation once you've had that time to learn. And then maybe making intentional choices about where you wanna have that conversation. Like, do you wanna have it on Twitter? Do you wanna have it on Facebook? do you want to call an old friend? Like, do you want to talk to your family? Uh, Do you you have a community of practice, a network, like a personal learning network we've talked about in the past where like, you know, in some ways this show is like a, a microcosm of a personal learning network. Like we're figuring stuff out as we go. Can people out in the world find that not just through outlets like this, but in their own lives where they can find people they trust and just grapple with some of the complexity that we're facing. Um, I wish there was an easier way to put a bow on top of all this. I don't know if you have a way to do that, Dan, in which case, please go, go forth and present a wonderful bow.
0: I will uh, do it by singing your praises. I I asked you that question and you answered better than I even thought you would Of Where do you go? The primary sources matter so much right now and reading things for yourself and, and being able to digest, even if, they're out of scope for what you know, learn it. And we have seen a lot, you shared an article about uh, reading and uh, understanding novels and books. And it comes back a lot more to not about knowing what the topic is, but having enough experience in that topic to then understand the book. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have any constitutional law background, work by reading the constitution and start there and and start by learning the primary sources. And uh, I'm, guilty of this lot. Don't let other people do the work for you. Right. Don't, let, don't expect to go to Twitter and learn from the experts out there. Do a little bit of the heavy lifting yourself and you'll one, be able to have those conversations, but two, you'll then have that scaffolding the, where you can build from to learn more and understand more. Yeah. As you go forward. Yeah.
1: And I, I just to kind of uh, put a cherry on top of your bow, uh, cause it's a Sunday with a bow on top and a cherry on top of the bow. But like to, to do all that, i would say like we should spend a little more time looking for like independent entities that have a fair perspective so like since we have a platform here where it where would we encourage people to look like as an example uh based on a recent show that we just did um the whole idea of digital inclusion is something that I think struck a struck a nerve with us. We thought that was a relevant conversation. Uh, if it is partisan, I think we're fine being on the partisan side that says more people should have access to technology that gives them access to opportunity. Um, I think there are places where we can in fact say, where we can curate and we can recommend. I just think when it becomes politically charged Uh, That's a place where we're trying to be specifically nonpartisan. So like, I I think it, it gets a little harder, but I think that's on us to figure out where can we do a little more of that curation? Because there are people who are earnestly pursuing the truth. Like even the, the courage of whistleblowers, assuming that they're whistleblowing against something that should be called out, that's a courageous position. And I think we need to figure out how to encourage that courage in all of us, because it's a time where um, when you see that no one, like it's the whole bystander problem. Like if you don't speak up, there's a chance that no one will. And the stakes of no one speaking up are increasingly high. So like, I think it's an area for us to continue to explore. We'd love to get more feedback too. Like if if any of our listeners have recommendations in terms of uh, like sort of impartial places to look. Also like as tedious as it might be like C-SPAN and Absolutely. just watching the political process that we have play forward to get your own perspective. Um, to your point, Dan, like if you have the time Watching the entirety of it um, is useful. Um, I think you know we've had we had Gene Ellen Cowgill from uh, TikTok uh, on Twitter recently. They're useful for me personally in that they provide the short form, digestible version of something that I might not have as much time to. I'm not be able to spend the whole day watching congressional briefings. Um, but I'd say like, it is a time to, um, think about your sources, think about how you consume information and, um, and ideally, you know, continue to engage with us in this conversation because it's something that we're all grappling with.
0: The other bow or cherry, whichever we're using at present, I want to put on is I've used this podcast that so you were talking about, your sort of process to learn myself and, yep. and to, to, to understand things and talk through things. And that is a lot of what podcasting can be for some is, is the ability to talk through and discuss and, and be able to say things uh, that are challenged or accepted and, and grow that way. So talking through this today and what we can make here, as a podcast and also what we can do uh, individually, I think was a, a big help for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think my big takeaway is put down the phone, Dan, that's first and foremost, <laughs> but uh, secondarily is um, how to curate better and how to share that curation to your point, right. like, go forth and share because you are learning something. And I think that's uh, a key takeaway for me as well. i obviously uh, a topic and topics uh, we will come back to historically, uh, politically, civically, lots of things to take from this episode and go forward with. We we're going to start reaching out to some guests. Mike said, uh, if you have any curation tips or where you're reaching out, do you have any guests or people you would want us to talk to here on the podcast? We'd love to hear from you as well on that. Of course, it's at Trending on Twitter. Same on Facebook. Find us on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash Trending in Education. And of course, it's trendingineducation.com each and every week. You can find us there. So Uh, We hope this was engaging. We hope it was a conversation uh, that you want to keep going in the future. And until next time, you've been listening to Trending in Education.